Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History Avec a Hemingway, and today we are talking about the Madeleine Church, and I'll let Claudine take it from here. Yeah, before we've talked about it, because we've talked about the area, but... As uh, true to form, I keep finding amazing information out about things. And there's sometimes I'm like, we have to redo that or we just add (laughs) to it. So this one is all about the church. It's an amazing church. It's here in Paris. It's very different from any of the the other churches that you see here. And it's definitely worth a visit. And this is one of those things you could just take with you and listen to us go on and on in your head and have us share it with you. Exactly. We love being your audio guide. Exactly. So the beautiful neoclassical Eglise Madeleine um, is a church that's on the right bank and it's right over there off of the Rue Royale. It's kind of like the crown of the Rue Royale off of the Place de la Concorde. Um, So it is a really amazing church. It just sits there. You know, you could go from the Louvre to the Tuileries to the end of the Place de la Concorde. You look to the right. And there it is. And it was the vision of more than a few rulers, kings and emperors that we had over history. And it almost didn't happen. Wait, it almost didn't happen. It almost didn't happen. So it was first conceived in 1757 by the architect Pierre Colon de Vray. He was the architect of the Duc d'Orléans. Um, it was what he originally imagined was a Latin cross church with a dome that was inspired by Jacques Soufflot's plan that he did for the Église Saint-Geneviève, which we know today as the Pantheon. Um, and if you look at the facade of both of those, you definitely see where that kind of happened. Louis XV laid the first stone on August 3rd, 1763, but his death next year halted any progress. By the revolution, the foundation had been laid, but it had stopped again on December 31st, 1791. Shortly after that, a wine merchant took over, and in 1806, it was given to the Banque de France, but Napoleon put a stop to that before they could even move in. Oh, of course, Napoleon had to get involved. Exactly. He's he's going to be a big subject, you know, around the world this week because the new movie is coming out um, that I can't wait to go see. Yeah. Uh, but the next page in the history of the church came in 1806 because of Napoleon. He wanted a temple created that would be dedicated to his army. And on the second anniversary of his coronation on December 2nd, 1806, he signed a decree while he was in Poland planning just that. Out of 80 architects, a gentleman named Pierre-Alexandre Vignon was chosen by the emperor to create a temple based on Greek and Roman architecture, which is exactly why it stands out and is very different from any other church in Paris. It does look very strange there. It does. And you kind of almost wouldn't think it's a church. You might think it was like a government building and on the opposite side of the Place de la Concorde, because, you know, we have the grand access in Paris that goes from the Louvre to La Défense. This one's almost kind of a shorter one. And on one side, you have the Madeleine with its uh, huge columns. And on the other side, you have the Palais Bourbon, which is now the Assembly Nationale, which also has the uh, columns in the front and very neoclassical. And so they kind of mirror each other a little bit. So it doesn't look like a normal church. Um, The building of the Madeleine continued until 1811. And once again, they ran out of money. And the project stopped. In August of 1816, it was Louis XVIII who would finally be the man that would bring it to its conclusion. Originally, he wanted a church that would be dedicated to his brother, Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette. 
And as you know, one of those uh, in that first, you know, what was it, the first dozen or so podcasts we did three years ago, we talked a lot about Marie Antoinette. And after she was killed, she and Louis the Sixteenth were each dumped into the cemetery of the Madeleine, which is not very far from there. Um, but it was his niece, Louis the Eighteenth, and his niece, Madame Royale, who was the only living child of Louis the Sixteenth and Marie Antoinette. They decided instead to personally pay for the building of the Chapelle Expertoire. Um, and so the Madeleine kind of continued on. Architect Jean-Jacques Ouvé uh, took over after the death of Vignon, laying out his vision of the church. But what they did was they incorporated all of the ideas of the architects that came over the last hundred years, which is pretty great because most of the time those guys usually were like, forget them. We're going to do our own thing. <laughs> yeah. They actually listen. Holy cow. They actually listen. Um, so the facade of the outside of the church has 52 columns with its gorgeous flowering Corinthian capitals on the top of each one, which is always my favorite. Um, it, it dominates the exterior um, in the center of the street. And on March 20th, 1842, the church was finally open for its first mass. And October 9th, 1845, it was consecrated. The thing that I love about it and what was really cool, I did a live walk around there a couple of weeks ago, and I'll put the link on um, my website so you can see the, us walking around it. Um, it's because they finally finished this facade because it had been completely covered with a huge, you know, advertisement for a few years. And that's come down. They're still doing a little bit of work on it, but you could finally see the facade finished. Um, and then around what's really what I love about it is the outside of the church has 34 saints that go around the entire outside facade of the church. And those 34 saints were done by 34 different sculptors. Whoa. And you have the normal ones like my favorite, Saint Jean Vieve and Saint Denis. The difference of Saint Denis is he's actually depicted with his head attached, which is not <laughs> normally how you see him, including in your Montmartre. Um, and then the other, there's a lot of the saints of the Orleans family because that was what Louis um Philippe was. And so when he started adding these later, he it was the Orleans family. So you have Antoine, Charles, Ferdinand, Francois, Adelaide, and Christine um, were each the Orleans saints. And then you have the three archangels, which is Gabriel, Mikel, and Raphael. And there's also one that's on the very back corner that's just a guardian angel, which I kind of love. Uh, but on the very back is kind of where this real little hidden treasure is that has a pretty big link to a former member of my family. Um, but just a little over six months before the uh, the war to end all wars, which was World War One, which obviously didn't end all wars, the German shells fired on Paris and decapitated a statue that's on the back of the church. The Germans had begun using the Paris gun, which was a long-range gun that was named after the city um, because it could just, you know, destroy Paris and scare people a little bit more. So it had a 220-pound bomb that they would shoot through the air that could travel more than 80 miles. They wow. were silently flying over the sky at about 3,000 miles an hour until they hit their target. Parisians at the time thought they were being dropped from a Zeppelin. On March 22nd, the Paris gun fired a shell that killed 88 people in the Église Saint-Jean-Gervais, sorry, the single deadliest attack of World War I in Paris. On Thursday, May 30th, 1918, a shot was fired and landed just behind the Madeleine. It was a feast day of Jean d'Arc, and as the faithful arrived to light a candle, another saint didn't fare so well. Um, the many Christian saints that lined outside the Madeleine 
And on the back are the four evangelists. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each with their own symbol. Matthew has an angel, Mark with a lion, John and his eagle, and Luke has a bull. When the shell hit a fragment, it flew, it hit St. Luke, and it took his head right off, and they've never replaced it. I thought it was weird one was missing a head. Yeah, and he's the back one on the corner, um, the back of the church. You know, there is a big, huge door there, but it's not open. It kind of goes to the back of the altar. But there he is. And underneath it, it says that it says on that date, it says March 30th, 1918, you know, a German shell in French and it hit him. Uh, But I do kind of like that he was there. And what I really love is that one day I was reading in the letters of Hemingway, the Cambridge um, Society is putting together, taking all of his letters and there's going to end up being, I think, like something like 12 or 15 volumes of it. And they are up to the fifth volume right now. And Hemingway wrote when he came over in um, World War One, he stopped in Paris for the night on his way to Italy to drive an ambulance. And he and his, one of the, uh, the fellow buddies walked around and found that on the back of the church um, because it was towards the end of the war. And then he would later take people over um, with Hadley and they'd walk around and find that and show people on the back. And when I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what I do. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. I love it. And so it's pretty cool that they just leave it there and they never replaced his little head. And I'm kind of glad they do that. And Paris does things like that all the time. Um, On the other side and the opposite side, when you go to the entrance, there's a massive bronze door. When they built, created this door, they wanted something like the Pantheon in Rome. And so Baron Henri de Tricotti, who was Italian, he accepted the commission in 1834. The door was finished and installed in 1841. The door tells the has a bas reliefs of the each one of one of the Ten Commandments. But when this was created, he they did something that was kind of revolutionary for the time because they were able to do this door and do it in a quarter of the weight that those do- nor- those doors normally have. And um, so it was much lighter. It was only 12,000 kilograms of bronze that was needed. And um, so it was much lighter. And so when you go in the door, you kind of miss them because usually the doors are wide open um, and just go through the door and look. But when you go, definitely go into the church and um, at the at the end of it, you got to go and look at the uh, altar at the top. Have you been in the church? I have been in the church, but the altar is not ringing any bells. Yes. So at the very top, um, there is a huge painting. And this painting tells the story of Christianity. And it's by Jules Claude Ziegler. Um, and when you look at it, and so when I was doing some research on it, and I saw that, and um, it was, I was like, oh, my God, I recognize this. And I couldn't believe uh, what I saw and how it has a link to, of course, my very favorite place, the Louvre. Hmm. And there have been a few very famous uh, uh funerals that are in there and there was one just a few years ago um that you do you might remember he was known as the french elvis do you remember that one? Oh yeah yeah definitely he's his house is not far from me i go by it when i go to the gym johnny holiday you had yeah. all the people all of, all of them used to live up there with you yeah um, exactly 
I remember when they had his uh, when they had his funeral and it was um, they showed this up there. And then I since have gone in there. And when I look up at this thing, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this thing. So it's a history of Christianity. And on it, you know, we could probably spend two hours going through everybody that's on there. But on there, there are a lot of people you're going to recognize uh, including Saint Louis is up there. He's up there holding um, a crown of thorns. You have Louis the Seventh holding a fleur de lis shield, um, and of course Saint Denis. Um, and then if you look to the right, you have of the of the left of Christ. But as you're looking up, it's on your right. You have Saint Ur- Ursula, Saint Catherine with her wheel, Saint Cecilia with her harp. And Clovis, who was baptized in Saint-Rémy, um, that are by Saint-Rémy, who is, of course, a good friend of our girl, Saint-Jean-Vieve. Mm-hmm. Next is Saint-Cotille, his wife. Charlemagne is up there. Alexander III is there um, reminding us of the first stone of Notre Dame that was laid. You also have Joan of Arc um, and her companions. And in the co- in the corner, they've also added Michelangelo, Raphael, and Dante that represents the Renaissance. And then you also have Henry IV, who I love. Louis the 13th um, that's on his knees giving the crown to the Virgin, much like he is depicted in the back of Notre Dame. And then also Cardinal Richelieu. But what's really cool when I saw this and I was doing research, and then of course I had to pull out my book about the painting of the Sacre de Napoleon, the Coronation of Napoleon by Jacques-Louis David. There's pieces of that painting on the roof of the Madeleine. Wow. Which is, I'm probably the only nerd that is pretty excited about that. But (laughs) (laughs) you have Napoleon there. He is on his knees and you see him. He's in his whole coronation garb. Um, And he's there. And to the right of him, you have Pope Pius VII, who gives him his crown. You also have a bunch of other people, um, including, you know, the Greek, the Greek leader and all these other people that were painted by David in the painting. And they're just to the right of him. And so... It's kind of amazing because it's supposed to be this, you know, history of Christianity. But in the very middle of it, in the front, is Napoleon. That is funny how he just is like, and me. <laughs> yeah, and me, show. of course. But it was done in 1838. So it was done long after he was ousted out of power. Yeah. Um, and it was revealed on September 29th, 1838 for everybody to see it but it's super cool you got to go check it out another thing that's really cool about it is there's below that is a mosaic that was done with the serve pottery and this uh mosaic has a ton of different saints many of which you would never have even heard of i mean they're different from ones that are even on the outside of the building but on the third to the end on the right side is one and it's a saint but the saint is actually charles garnier who did the opera house, the opera Garnier. That's my favorite. It's favorite building. So it's so beautiful. So it's just kind of funny. There's all these little things. And that was another thing that I completely geeked out on when I noticed. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the guy. And so we luckily, when I did the live video, um, surprisingly, we could actually go in there. There's no windows in the uh, Madeline and actually didn't lose a signal, which, you know, you can't even walk around the courtyard outside of the Louvre without losing your signal. Um, and so you'll have to I'll put the link so that you could actually see it and I'll put some pictures. But it's really cool inside. It also has tons of paintings that are about the life of, of um, Mary Magdalene. Um, Mary Magdalene, of course, because it's the Madeline. Um, so that is Mary Magdalene or Madeline. And, you know, Da Vinci Code, one of my favorites. You know, the Da Vinci Code ends, you know, spoiler alert, at the Louvre, thinking that she's buried in basically the parking lot underneath the inverted pyramid. <laughs> 
But if you go to the Madeline, there's actually a piece of her in there. There is, I think it might be part of her forearm, but it's a bone. And it's in like, you know, you go into St. Etienne du Mont, you go into any of these churches and there's those beautiful, like, you know, all brass reliquaries that hold like the tiniest shred of a part of a fingernail that belonged to a saint. <laughs> this is Mary Magdalene, you know, a pretty important person in the realm of, you know, Christianity. And her bone is just like in this box <laughs> lit up <laughs> off to the side of the church. And really, there's nothing fancy about it. I love how she's just chilling in there. There's no like grandeur about it. No, there's nothing at all. So it's kind of funny because you could almost end the Da Vinci Code saying, here she is, actually. This is actually where she is in Paris. <laughs> we have a rewrite for you, Da Vinci Code. Yeah, we got to, you know, change it up a little bit. But um, there also is, you know, the story of the the, the story of the Virgin um, goes across. They use multiple different painters um, and artists, sculptors, everybody um, to do all the stuff, including James, James Pradier who did some of the of the statues that's just right out the door down the street at the Place de la Concorde, which has also been um, finished. The, the two fountains that are there, there's the Fountain of the Rivers and the Fountain of the Sea. Um, those have all been beautifully restored. And it's nice now if you are here in Paris to go down there because the Rugby World Cup um, has been has finished. And so they had a big fan village there, which was kind of a nightmare if there was a French <laughs> game. And so those that has now come down. So you could go down there, check it all out. Um, and then also all of the beautiful Christmas lights that are down and around there. But the, you know, the Madeline Church is a really beautiful one, especially because the history of it is so long. Um, but inside of it, definitely go in there. It's a very different church. Um, you also have had some very important um different uh funerals that have happened there, including Chopin. Chopin died in 1849. Um, when he died, they would not allow him to have his, um, he had laid out his entire service that he wanted. Um, and he died in October, 1849. And so it took them two weeks before they could do it because he wanted two women to sing Mozart's uh, funeral march. And they, at the time, women were not allowed to sing in the church on the stage. And so they um, ended up having to come to an agreement and the women stood behind a black uh, drape so they could sing and nobody could see them. That's so sad. So crazy. Um, in 1880, um, Jacques Offenbach, who I love, who is the, um, we talked about him long ago when we talked about one of my favorite courtesans, Balatesse de Levin. Um, he is the one that wrote the Can Can song. His service was there on October 5th, 1880. Um, you also have Josephine Baker, uh, April 15th, 1975. She was the first American woman that ever had a full military honors. Wow. Um, and her, she had thousands and thousands of people that followed from the Madeline um, to, uh, to a burial place that was symbolic. And then of course she went to, um, she's buried down in Monaco. She's not buried in the Pantheon. That was just a pretend thing that they did. Um, <laughs> also our, one of our other favorites, a neighbor of yours, Dalida, um, our French share, um, well, she's not really French, but you know, our European share, she, um, died. Her ceremony was May 7th, 1987. Another person was buried there in 1971 or her service was 
<laughs> and when they did hers, the wife of um, Pompidou, who was the president at the time, his wife was saying, hey, we should do this as a big, huge, you know, official uh, with all the honors and stuff. And everybody was like, nope. Uh-huh. She was a Nazi. So back then, 1971, they knew she was a Nazi how people forget things. Um, And then Marlena Dietrich um, also had her funeral there in 1992. So as I mentioned earlier, Johnny Holiday, he had his funeral there. And for about the first three years after he died every year on the anniversary, they had this massive mass that they have thousands of people coming to. Um, And now they just do it every once in a while. But when you go in, there's still a little shrine set up to Johnny Holiday. We appreciate that. His little shrine. Yeah, I don't really get I don't really get it. I don't like <laughs> he's the French Elvis, but you know, I was like, wow, but I do know some French people that are, you know, that's their Neil Diamond. Yeah, so, they're super fans. Super, super huge fans of it. And I remember watching it, like streaming it and seeing like Patrick Bruel and like the president and first like all the past presidents that were alive. Everybody was there for that. Uh so for that crazy. Service. Yeah, I don't really yeah. get it either, but to each their own. To each their own. But when you go to the Madeline, you walk out as you leave and stand there on the porch and look across, especially if it's at like the sunset. And you look straight through the Place de la Concorde and you see the obelisk in the center. And then on the other side, as I mentioned, you have the Palais Bourbon. And it actually almost sets as, you know, you could almost look at it as like a scale. So you could use the obelisk that maybe you'd put the top of the scale on. And on either side, you have, you know, the church and the state. So it's almost this balance between the church and state. And uh, we were just saying the other day, we need to go now that the Ferris wheel is set up there in the Tuileries. We need to go up there and get a picture of it. So it could kind of show you what I mean about like the scale, you know, how like the scales of justice. Mm-hmm. that's what it kind of looks like and it's kind of cool because one side you have the church and the other time side you have state we appreciate those little details i can't wait to see that picture yeah but definitely go check out the madeline and if you're close to there um after you go there go over to the chapelle expertoire which is a short little walk from there um and that is where you know louis the 16th and marie antoinette were thrown in into and buried um and then later you know the gentleman that owned um a house that overlooked it he bought the land and then he put a tree planted a tree where he remembers seeing them throw their um you know they're just, just coffins and then he later told uh louis the 18th and then that is why they built the chapelle expertoire and then outside you have all of the um graves of the swiss guards that were killed in the attack on the tuileries and then inside you go downstairs and there's this little tiny room that has this beautiful black marble altar and that marks the spot where they found their bodies and it's always like nobody ever goes there um and it's just kind of a really sad um solemn place especially if you you know if you're on team marie antoinette um every year in january on the sunday closest to when he was killed which it was january 21st they do a mass there and i've gone before and i met the would-be king of france as a would-be king of France, I love it. <laughs> yeah, if there was a king, and I need to do an episode all about this because my our wonderful um, follower and that I love, Susan, she is always asking me to do one about uh, Louis the Twentieth. And so there are three descendants. There's a descendant of the Valois branch, a descendant of the Bourbons, which is Louis the Twentieth. And a descendant of Napoleon, all three of those say that if there was a king or an emperor, that each have their descendant who should be that person. 
I love it. I can't wait to hear about that. Get get yeah. to it, Claudine. So, so I know. So, but I did go and I was like, oh my God, he's so handsome. Like he was really handsome. And I got <laughs> to meet him and he gave me kisses on my cheek. And so that was very exciting. <laughs> um, but, you know, depending on where you lean on politics, a royalist isn't exactly um, my direction of politics. <laughs> so, uh, but for me as a historian, Meeting somebody that literally has the blood of Louis the Fourteenth and Sixteenth and Henry the Fourth, it was pretty exciting. And he kissed you. Oh, we need pictures of the miss the moment. Yeah, he's pretty. He is really handsome, though. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that is a great ending to this episode, Claudine. <laughs> and make sure you head over to ClaudineHemingway.com to learn more. Hire her for a tour. Tune in to her live walks and don't forget to tune in next week. Thanks for listening today, guys. If you're interested in learning more about Claudine, her tours, history, and the beautiful photographs that she posts all over Instagram, tune into her website, ClaudineHemingway.com.